Unlock the past and safeguard your memories with ScanMyPhotos.com. Here's our special promo code, GoDigital, to get a whopping up to 50% off your photo scanning order. Don't let your cherished moments fade away. Digitize them now with precision and care. Whether it's old slides, photos, or films, bring them into the digital age and relive those precious memories. This is an affiliate promotion, meaning we may earn a commission if you take advantage of this fantastic deal. Act fast, preserve your history, and save big with Go Digital at ScanMyPhotos.com. Hi, I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them. From the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums, to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. My guest today is Sabina Oker, and Sabina is a photo historian, dealer, and buyer of photographs. And Sabina, I have so many photographs I've bought from you over the years. (laughs) It isn't even funny. We have known each other for a very long time, and we're going to talk about women's photo albums, specifically women's photo albums that are cyanotypes. Sabina knows a lot about that, but tell us something else about yourself, Sabina. Well, Maureen, thank you very much for inviting me to come on this podcast. I've really been excited. It's nice to have something to look forward to. I, I, like you, love photos, and I'm always thrilled to have the opportunity to share some of the knowledge that I've acquired and some of the images. So I started collecting photography in 1995 which doesn't seem that long ago, but I guess was a long time ago. And I was particularly interested in the Snapshot album because of its narrative. And I was specifically interested in Snapshot albums that had been created by and for women. So the Snapshot album was sort of officially invented in 1888 and 1889 with the advent of the Kodak number one and Kodak number two cameras. And that sort of launched the beginning of the Snapshot album as we think of it today, right? And so I love that period from the 1890 to the beginning of World War One that were, because it gives a such great insight into what women's lives were like, like with the lowercase h of history, right? So doing ordinary things and also all the changes. There were so many changes that were happening in the 1890s and really opening doors for women and the things that they could do. And I landed on the cyanotype because the cyanotype is unique among photo processes in the sense that it does not require a dark room or the use of chemicals in order to 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 make a cyanotype. So it was marketed very heavily by Kodak to women and children to be able to document their their lives because you could buy pre-sensitized paper, you would expose it to light 
and then fix it with water. And so, yes. So, so they the, are, they are very distinctive because yes. they are blue. That's right. And it's the same process that the blueprint is based on. So we've all seen those, you know, mechanical drawings or architectural drawings that are blue. And that's exactly the same process and the same chemical makeup, which is a combination of some sort of, you know, ironized salts that that are made. I took a cyanotype class at the local art school and loved it, like totally loved it, had every intention of going back and doing more. But of course, you know, yes, 20, of course. 20, 2020 yes. happened and there we are. But it was fascinating because I could bring things into the class to make the cyanotypes. So I, I went to the fabric store and I got these beautiful lace samples of fabric and we did cyanotypes of those. I turned some of my pictures into, they, they had a way of turning them into a negative and yeah. then printing that out, making cyanotype portraits of those. I mean, I, I love them. But what you're talking about are ordinary women and children who found a way to express themselves without, of course, the man's world of the dark room. Yeah. These are things yeah. they could do in their kitchen or outside with their kids. As a matter of fact, and you know, I'm glad you brought up about objects, right? So there's really two uses of, well, three, if you include the blueprints, but two uses photographically for cyanotypes. One is what's called a photogram, where you take an object like the lace that you were talking about, or, you know, I have ones of combs or pieces of paper that have been cut out in various shapes, and they were just laid on this photosensitive paper exposed to in the sun, and then fixed with water. So the photogram is one area, and then you could do the same with the negative. You just take the negative, physically lie it on the paper, put it in a printing out frame and set it outside to be exposed on a sunny day and then fix it with water. And there's this great photo in the Smith archive. I don't have a copy of this photo in my collection, but at the Smith archive, there's this young woman, she's sitting outside on a sunny day reading a book and she's surrounded by printing out frames. There must be about 20 of them and they're just on the bushes and on the ground next to her. She's printing out her blueprints, which then were, she was going to offer for sale because selling of blueprint images was one of the five sort of approved ways that women could make extra money if they attended Smith College. Oh, really? Yes. They would sell for five cents a print and they had a bulletin board sort of in their main hallway. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself because I still have to talk about the seven sisters and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. They, <laughs> we'll they get do there. have this, they do have this, they had this bulletin board where if there would be, you know, any notable event of any kind, all the women would be lined up, the snapshooters, they were called, taking pictures, and then they would post them on this bulletin board with, and then with an envelope, and you could put your name and address in five cents, and then somebody would deliver your print to your house. So that was a way that if you didn't have a camera, you could still accumulate the images that were particular to your year of college and any event that was there. Let's backtrack and talk yeah. about Smith in the context of the Seven Sisters. Got it. So the cyanotype was invented in 1842 by Sir John Herschel yeah, over in England. And Anna Atkins is the name that most people have heard of. She was really the first person who used the cyanotype process. And she took pictures of English algae and other, you know, other fauna, flora, 
flora, I shouldn't take any fauna, but any flora, specifically seaweeds and other things there. And then there was just sort of a gap. I mean, other people were using the cyanotype, but it really came into its own right in at about 1890, 1891. And from 1890 to about 1910, it was all the rage um, for, for, you know, women's and children's albums and also in colleges. I've just chosen to focus on the women's colleges that were called the Seven Sisters. And let me see if I could get them all. So there's Smith, Mount Holyoke, Wellesley, Brenoir, Barnard, Vassar. So the Radcliffe, that's right. the last one. So that's the seven. And also, I do have a couple of albums of from Dartmouth. So it wasn't just the women. The men had them as well, but they were not nearly as popular. I mean, it was a it was a cottage industry, especially at Smith. And I have the most, I have about 22 women's colleges albums, and then also some feeder schools that went into those colleges. And then I have about another 450 loose singular images in my collection for that area. So they're not that common. So I always tell my clients, if you have a photo yeah. album, don't take it apart because the album tells a story. It does. And that is what you have found with these Sienna type albums is that these young women were buying or taking photographs to document their lives and to tell the story of it. That's right. That's right. And that was what Maureen, that was what got me excited about the snapshot album as a means to of collecting things. Cause I loved the course of the story of a course of time, right? So you might see the little girl and she's little and with her parents and then she gets older and she has her friends and then she goes to school and and then she gets married and then there's a baby. And I love that progression of time. That, that That's a story that only a snapshot album tells. And I love this women's college cyanotype albums because it's it's a condensed story of, of mostly those four years that, that they went to school and then graduated and went off and got married. And, you know, because when you, the different Seven Sisters schools had different focus areas. Like if you went to Mount Holyoke, you were intended to become a missionary or serve serve the church in some way. If you went to Smith, you were really sort of intended to be sort of Mrs. Captain of Industry, to be married to a diplomat or some sort of a very successful business person. But there were other things that you could do at Smith and other places like be a teacher. But if you decided to get married, you could not teach. You could not have a career that was outside of the home. So, so it is a sort of it is a sort of interesting snapshot, if you will, about where women's lives were at that time and and all the interesting changes and how independent they were, but yet how not independent they were. So what do these albums look like? Well, so I have a couple of examples. So I'll just I'll just open this one up. Now, this one's in not very good shape because the cover is is off. It's a leather um, they, cover. It was a leather cover, but now it's just the paper that's inset. And I always say that the, the the albums, the better albums have a certain structure where they'll might start with pictures of the buildings and the dorms and things like that. And then pictures of events that happened, like there was always a basketball game, right? So basketball was invented in Springfield in 1890. And by 1893, women were playing three-quarter three court basketball at Smith College as well. So then there might be those activities. And then at the end, there were pictures of who your roommates were and your friends and things that you did. This is one of my favorite pictures. It is the Smith train station. It's luggage. All, all the women, all the women's 
clothing and accessories and everything for the school year appearing at the start of that of their of their school year. And you can just see them all piled up and they've got to bring all of those trunks and things out to their dormitories. And on the next page is another kind of common thing. So the guy is Seeley. He's the longtime president of Smith College. And then there is a picture of one of the Smith buildings. And then, the, you know, the areas where they were walking. So are you saying that these young women are coming to college already armed with a camera or they are being taught it while they're at school? Well, that's a really interesting question, Maureen. And I would say that would be there there were multiple use cases. So w- some women were already, you know, taking photographs before they arrived at at college. Some women bought a camera while they were there and and used it to capture you know important and significant moments for them. Other women, since it was a cottage industry, women who graduated at least at Smith and and Mount Holyoke they would sell their negatives to who is a lower class person. And then that person would then be making prints and selling them using the negatives that somebody else took. Those are the sort of main use cases that you are already your family's photographer. You got the bug when you arrived or that you really were entrepreneurial about it and bought some negatives and then made some prints out of those negatives. Hmm. So have you been able to piece together the stories of some of these women? Maybe they're yeah. identified in the front, something yes. like that. Yes. So I want to tell you, I want to tell you a great story. This is, you know, Ochre origin story, photography collection origin story, but it is the origin story about how I became interested in cyanotypes or in women's college cyanotypes is that I went to an auction and I bought a whole stack of loose cyanotype images and there were tons of images of women wearing white clothes and walking around, striding around, looking very important. And I had no idea it was, and I just remember saying to my husband, wow, look at all these women wearing all these sort of like really beautiful white clothes. I wonder what the occasion was. So then fast forward three years later, I bought another large collection of loose images. And there were more images of women wearing beautiful white dresses. But along with the women wearing the white dresses, there was an image of a woman wearing a cat head. She's wearing a costume. Well, they're all costume, but the one with the cat head. See the one right Yeah. So this young woman is wearing a paper mache cat head. Yeah. Well, so I was saying to Phil, my husband, I have another, what is it with Victorian women and their cat heads? I have another one where that has a woman with a cat head. So this one's a little paler, but you can see that the cat head is there. Mm-hmm. And when I put them next to each other, I realized that the eyes of the woman in the one picture were looking in one direction. And then the other picture, they were looking at the other direction. So not only was it the same cat head and the same costumes, but they were taken at the same time by two different photographers. And fortunately for me, one of them Look identified at that. It has all, names on the back. all the people and better yet, what houses they lived in and some what years that they graduated. So this set me down the research trail and I have identified all of the women at these pictures. And as a matter of fact, the Smith archivist, they have the album of the woman with a cat head. And there's one image of her dorm room where the cat head was is tucked off into the corner of the room next to her rocking chair. So it don't, has you, been, don't you love history? I do. I really love it. And so I have researched 
so many of the women and gone to the Maine woman's holdings that I have. She was from Lewiston, Maine. So I went to Maine and saw her house and read up on her family history and saw her grave. And it has been such a great, wonderful experience to sort of breathe life into these women who are pictured in the in the photographs. So we have the advent of the amateur camera, the Kodak yes. one and two. Then we have the development of the photo album. That's right. Then we have young women deciding that they can tell their story with these cyanotypes. Maybe That's it's right. advertised in a magazine. Maybe it's advertised in, I don't know, something they're looking at, newspapers. And then primarily the ones that you're collecting are from those women's colleges known as the Seven Sisters. But was this, do you, do you find in your wanderings through the photo world other albums by ordinary women who didn't go to school? Or is this a phenomenon just for these women's colleges? And I would say it wasn't just college women. I have several albums for women that were farmers or ag- agricultural things. And during World War One, where they were just taking pictures of their work and their tools at home, you know, by tools, I mean, I think of the washing machine and the oven and all those things as a tool rather than a convenience or an appliance, because they're very, they were very, very, very crude back then. And then I even have a couple of ones that were from made by children and they're so darling because they're taking a picture of their little kitten and their little brother and they're always from the peewee height right like so they're just almost at the bottom of the chair height so you can always tell if it's a child that has been the photographer and they're just darling and so cute so i would say that it wasn't just the women but that phenomena just was very popular it took off like wildfire for about 10 12 years that they were and then what happens with World War One? Because there are women's albums for World War One. Yeah. Where the Red Cross nurses, for instance, create their huge, those yes. big black paper albums. They're oversized, small yes. album, you know, whatever. But what happens to the Sienna type? It just falls mostly out of fashion. Well, so it was really interesting. When I gave it to talk about the role of the cyanotype in women's college albums at the George Eastman House, I started it off with a quote from this book, The Cyanotype by Mike Ware. And what he said is that the falling out of favor of the cyanotype could possibly be attributed to the unrelenting blue, that it was so disconcerting for people to see a photographic image that wasn't sepia brown or wasn't black and white or any of the metal colors, you know, sort of some of the other carbon and palladium and things like that had a sort of a softer gray tone and that that blue was off-putting. And so that's what, now that was his theory. I don't, I don't know. I think that as, you know, for the college albums, we started getting yearbooks in about 1916 or 1918. So it became more lucrative for the school to just make a collection of here's the teachers. Here's the president. Here's the buildings. Here are the people. And then at the end, just let people just put their own individual snaps. And I think that that was what happened is that the individually crafted album was replaced by a commercial yearbook. Hmm. Yeah, they're really fascinating. I love cyanotypes. I love them too. 
can't talk about Smith College and cyanotypes without talking about basketball. Because basketball was invented in Springfield in 1891. And then apparently the guy, Nasmith or whatever his name is, something like that, don't don't forgive me if I'm not pronouncing it correctly. He was very good friends with Sandra Bernstein, who was the athletic director at Smith in the 1890s. And so she quickly adapted the rules of basketball for women. And Smith was the first college that started playing basketball. And they always had a game between the sophomores and the freshmen. The thing that's amazing to me is that the costumes that you could see on the women in the photo were made of wool, including wool stockings and flat shoes. And the bra was not invented until 1912. So these women were still wearing corsets and they would run and be very athletic across three quarters of a court playing basketball. And, and as a matter of fact, they're they were always getting in trouble of things. And there was always a sermon that was telling them not to do whatever. And, and there was a sermon where the pastor was complaining that the women were not wearing the corsets and that this was improper and that they should be properly corseted. <laughs> and I was just like, there is no way I'm huffing and puffing and breathing heavy while wearing a corset, not to mention... <laughs> Not to mention all, all the other things, but I love these photographs about the Smith games because you really can see how they, they were doing things that to us we take for granted, right? Like we take the fact that we can have an athletic bra and that we can breathe as heavy as we want because we're not wearing those wool costumes weighed five pounds, five pounds of wool. Right. So they're, they're constrained and they're wearing heavy costumes and they're made to run three-quarter court back yeah. and forth in wool. Yeah. In wool. And sweat. And sweat. That's right. That is just, I mean, like, I think about that, and it really just amazes me about how how you'd really have to be dedicated to be athletic to just say, yeah, this is great. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, the Sienna type in those amateur photographs yeah. give us insight into the everyday life of the college student or our ancestors in general. But in the albums that you're collecting, the college students, what were their lives really like? Who were their friends? What did their rooms yes. look like? Yes. Oh, and, and so all of that is visible to us now. It it's, is. It, it's not just women going to a portrait studio and having a static portrait taken. This is living. This is their everyday life. And, you know, Maureen, it's funny. It's like I couldn't do a better job of asking the right questions because I think about that. I love collecting photography because it's history with a lowercase h, right? It's the history that's specific to a person, to an area, to a time. And it's so wonderful to be able to get the, the parting of the beaded curtain to see what did a dorm room look like? What did, what were the things that they occupied their time? And, you know, so, and I love the pictures of the inside of the women's dorm rooms because they had like their either still st sterling or plated like servers 
where they would make were rabbit and other 90s delicacies. And they would have this little table where they'd have their tea set set up. And they were getting ready to be launched into Mrs. Captains of Industry or the wife of a minister somewhere else, right? Like, so they already had those trappings. And I have a couple of images of the boys' dorm room. The boys have lanterns on the inside of their dorm room and they're playing cards and smoking cigarettes. And there's this like cloud of cigarette smoke and smoke and God only knows what else. And it's just hanging the room and they're all like closed in very carefully and they're playing cards. And I was just like, that is the opposite of any of the women's dorm rooms that I've seen pictures of. And you could just imagine that experience and what it must have smelled. (laughs) Well, as you know, I mean, Photography is the closest we can get to time travel. Yes. You know, that's a really good way of putting it, Maureen. It is, it parts the beaded curtain into a different time and lets us step through, step through that curtain into, into that time. And I think that when you are a collector or historian, the things that you do is you train your eye to see and you look in the background for everything that might be a clue to something that is either something of a time or a place, right? So there's a calendar that has a year on it, or there is a pennant or a pillow that has the name of a school or something on it, or there it has an object in it that you know was invented in this year, and so it helps you date. And it really does teach you to be very perceptive and to look very carefully on the sides and on the backs of, right? So we talked about that discovering the names and that so you can really flesh out the life details of the people that you are seeing. Yeah. I guess I'll see you soon, I would imagine. (laughs) Sooner or later, I'll run into you at a photo show and see what you're you're selling. I feel like I could spend the rest of the afternoon, but I do appreciate that you've given me the time to just share just a few stories and a few anecdotes about my collection. All right. Bina Oker, thank you so much for being on The Photo Detective. Well, thank you, Maureen, for having me. I really enjoyed myself. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, leave me a rating and a review. And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, Share this episode with them too. See you next time. I'm thrilled to be offering something new. Photo Investigations. These collaborative one-on-one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. 
You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.